Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. So welcome to today's episode. Uh, we're here with uh, someone who I saw speak at an event recently and uh, was really fascinated by this massive project they've been involved with. And um, I asked her if she would come on the podcast and uh, and talk about it. So I'm really pleased to welcome Claire Miller, who is the Director of Technology and Innovation at Octopus Electric Vehicles, which is part of the bigger Octopus Energy Group. So welcome to the show, Claire. Hi, Ryan. Good to be here. Uh, maybe if we could start out just by uh, learning a little bit more about you and and your background and kind of how you came to be doing what you're doing now, that'd be really a really good starting point. Thank you. Yeah. Um, so I am a mechanical engineer by training. I uh, went to Imperial, did MechEng, and I then went into uh, engineering in technology and R and D consulting. So I did that for a few years. So I got to work on loads of different technologies and projects. Uh, in the UK and around the world, actually. And uh, that was cool. lovely. And then I left there and did that freelance for quite a lot of years. Again, like kind of jobbing engineer, I guess, going around <laughs> helping companies and um, you know, improving processes and saving projects that were going a bit sideways. So um, so that was cool. And during that period, I worked at a company called Alert Me, which was an early Internet of Things company, which ultimately uh, became Hive. So you might have heard of Hive. Oh, wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. I did a, so I was head of delivery at Alert Me at the startup stage where we had some really cool tech and we're working out what the product should be and how we should bring that to customers. Right. Um, yeah, so fast forward to um, like the very start of 2019 and I spoke to Fiona Howarth, who's the CEO of Octopus Electric Vehicles, and she said they were doing this project and they'd, uh, they'd, they'd put in a bid to the Bayes Innovation Fund for V2G and they'd been awarded the project and now they were trying to work out what technology they needed, hardware, software, how the consortium was going to work and uh, how they were going to find customers. And really, did I want to come and get involved with leading that? So for three and a half years, I've led on Vehicle to Grid and brought that to its fruition. And then during 2019, we we're having conversations about what should Octopus Electric Vehicles be. They've been around for a couple of years, lots doing lots of education and yeah. lots of um, interacting with the public and uh, and. Um, decided that there was a, a role for me, a broader role in the, in the business, which ultimately has become uh, heading up tech and systems. So all of our digital experiences and our internal systems and all of the all the things you need to run a, a vehicle leasing company. Wow. So yeah, it's been busy, <laughs> busy and, few years. And this is quite unusual. Um, I mean, there's not many energy companies have a vehicle companies um, yeah. to, sort of tucked onto the side of them, although. Tesla became an energy company from being a vehicle company, but a different kind of energy company. But I, I don't, are there any others in the UK that have that sort of model where they, uh, they also have the vehicles business as well? I don't think there are. I don't are think so. No, I don't think so. Wait for this podcast to be published and I will have uh, loads of emails pointing out the company that I've <laughs> forgotten um, afterwards. But no, it's, it's, it's quite, that's quite an unusual and innovative business model in, in itself. Um, 
could uh, just tell us how that works, basically. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, you know, Octopus Energy, when Octopus Energy was founded, Greg and Stuart and James, who were the like three like founders, uh, had this vision for uh, doing better and disrupting in energy. And so that's making it better for customers, making it really simple, making it easy. Um, making the energy green so making sure it all comes from renewables mm-hmm. um, and using technology to enable all of that to happen so as the different parts of the group have been formed and grown and there are other businesses um, all of those I guess those founding principles sounds a bit like stuffy but like those ideas uh-huh, yeah. um, are at the heart of all the different businesses around Octopus so the the idea of having Octopus electric vehicles um, it's really I think bringing together transport and energy. And those are two massive shifts in our, like in our society and in, in the way that we are gonna think about our lives as we go forward. So until recently, you've had to drive to a petrol station or you know, a fuel station, putting in petrol and diesel into your vehicle. And that has been a completely different like exercise yeah. to what helps you turn on the lights and the kettle at home. Yeah. Now, those two things are coming together. So, yeah, I think it's thinking about the, the convergence of transport and energy. And it makes makes good sense to have businesses and people in those businesses that understand both those worlds so that we can bring innovative, um, useful pro- products and services to customers that actually make a huge difference in terms of, you know, all kinds of topics around greening the grid. So, you know, yeah. reducing the amount of fossil fuels we need to burn and increasing the amount of renewables on the grid. It it kind of it totally makes sense as we start to move forward. And and just to in case people didn't realize, um Octopus actually operates like uh leasing electric vehicle leasing programs, don't you? So you kind of yeah. provide um you, you we can lease a car off you. <laughs> yeah. So um so we when we were starting out into 2020 uh brilliant timing uh i'm sure lots of people have got these you know brilliant timing you know you start off 2020 with yeah. plans to do one thing in one direction and they completely change and stop and and you know off you go in a different direction and so we were working on a salary sacrifice product and salary sacrifice in the uk um is really attractive way of getting an electric vehicle at the moment so the uk government realized that if they drop the amount of tax that's applied uh, onto mm. cars that are taken under the scheme, which is giving up a bit of your salary before you've paid any tax or national insurance, yeah. uh, makes it a lot cheaper. Uh, they drop that tax rate they then put back on to 0%. Mm. And so we could see there was a brilliant opportunity here to get you know, as many people as we could into cars through their employer. So we're working on that product, getting ready to launch it. Um, and we we were learning that actually the more of that customer experience you can control and direct, the better it would be because we do a really great job at customer experience. We do a really good job at looking after people. So, yeah, yeah, so the leasing company um, was formed through 2020. And so, yeah, my summer of 2020 was uh, sitting right here, actually, um, building systems and architecting the the different solutions that we'd need to run a leasing company um, whilst others were out uh, looking for like the first funds to, to be able to buy the vehicles and, and various other pieces of the business mm. so that uh, so yes we'll be operating as a leasing company so now we have salary sacrifice we have over 1500 companies signed up so far we've got wow. some big names like dyson you might have heard of <laughs> yeah and then we have got close to a quarter of a million employees on that and then recently wow. we've come we've developed a personal um a personal leasing product as well so we're, we're starting to trial that so ah, yeah so we okay. are 
yeah so it's great yeah it's, it's amazing actually to to think back of how far we've come in such a short amount of time how many companies and how many employees can possibly benefit from our scheme yeah it's um yeah it's very pleasing it's really nice to to see that starting to pay off and actually the most pleasing thing is that all of those people are going to be transferring into an electric vehicle yeah. taking those you know taking that car off the road that was that was kind of polluting the air yeah and was obviously using fossil fuels so yeah it's, it's a really great place to be fantastic i was just thinking that like that, that that's a lot of new evs coming into the road and 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 you've kind of um made it easy for people like in the early days of evs the early adopters were all people who could probably organize all of the you know infrastructure stuff and like the plethora of different network cards that you needed to charge up and sort out your home charging sort of stuff blah, blah, mm. blah. but actually i know other people who tried to do that and it was all quite difficult and complicated um and and actually i, I kind of mm. I, I get why having a single provider that kind of just makes it all seamless and easy um you know would uh would be, would be a big benefit and i think some of the bigger companies that were in that space you know, weren't doing such a great job either so yeah really really good to see you guys come in and, and disrupt but um so so then the the, the real sort of the the meat of the the podcast was this mm -hmm. big project that you you mentioned um with the, the vehicle to uh grid um exercise yeah. and that just uh, blew me away in terms of of the you know what you've done on that project uh, the scale of it and you know what what you were trying to do there so to tell us more about that that project please yes so it was called power loop and power loop was uh conceived to say as part of the bay's sort of innovation challenge around vehicle to grid so back in 2017 in fact i think it was first spoken about wow, okay. and our ambition was to take part in this um this challenge to put together a consortium to access some part funding and to really work out what would it look and feel like as a customer to go through that process of having a vehicle to grid system um, at your home. So what did it feel like to have it uh, fitted? What did it feel like to live with it, to, to experience it? The reason we wanted to do that was to prove it was possible to provide an example to others that this is the future, this is what's mm. gonna happen. And to also improve every step as we went, if we possibly could. So. The, the premise was we would uh, recruit 135 customers who would have a Nissan Leaf and they would lease that Nissan Leaf. So as we were learning about being a leasing company, it was a perfect time to, to build that out through the project. Yeah. Then we'd work with our um, group company, another, another one of our group companies, Octopus Energy Services, to actually assess the home and to uh, install the charger, the special charger, bi-directional charger, which allows the energy to go backwards and forwards into the vehicle and the house yeah. um, and, and ultimately back on the grid and then um, get permission to do the exporting. So we worked with one of the DNOs, the distribution network operators in the UK. So those are the companies that um, own, operate and maintain the cable from your home up to the substation level. So those sort of the, like the local road network of the energy system. You know, if the national grid are the motorways, the DNOs are looking after like your local area roads. Um, and actually they have to give you permission to put this much back on the grid. There's a whole process there that we worked with UKPN. So we worked with one DNO to really hone it down with them. And then they are through the Energy Network Association spreading that out to the other DNOs. And then um, the other part is flexibility. Yeah. So flexibility is something that's been going on for many years in terms of helping the national grid balance its 
load and demand. And actually, until kind of recently, it's been a very kind of big lever that can be pulled to turn factories and large kind of energy using um, businesses on and off. So get them to turn on and off to mm. actually balance the amount of energy on the grid. So actually, one of the main things we wanted to get to with, with vehicle to grid was to have a way of demonstrating that when you have not just 135 cars that can put energy back you know, out of the car battery, back into the home and onto the grid, you have that at scale, 100,000, a million cars that could do that in the future. What could that do mm. in terms of helping the national grid, so the national scale, and also more locally? And the reason there, and this is a bit where I mentioned earlier, you know, transport and energy come together, is thinking about your car is your way of getting around. It's your mobility asset, if you will. It's the way yeah. you get around. But it's also a battery on wheels when you've got an electric vehicle. Yeah. So there you go. So vehicle to grid is about thinking about your car in a different way as a customer. And it's about how does that help the grid do more with what we've got right now? Because this is my final point on this is you think more broadly, as we start to decarbonize the grid, decarbonize transport and actually heat, heat is massive, yeah. you know, heat is even bigger in terms of decarbonization target than transport our grid's going to have to provide more energy and we, we will have to expand physically yeah if we can start to use evs and other batteries and things at home it can help yeah use what we've got now more smartly distribute storage and, and it's quite acute i mean obviously at the moment energy prices are like a horrific nightmare roller coaster because <laughs> um, mm, of yeah. external global factors but it, yeah. it we've got this um situation which i always think is a little bit odd in the uk but i do kind of understand why but the the um the, the sort of cost of electricity is set by the highest um the highest generating cost at that any one particular point in time which mm -hmm. slightly sort of perversely now is that we're going to more kind of renewables and non yes non-fossil and particularly non-gas based generation but we've got yes. the price of gas driving it and and the gas is mainly pika plants and stuff like that but you, you could take mm -hmm. out that sort of thing from the system if you got a uh, vehicle to grid working uh your, your pika plant could be your vehicle to grid system like a virtual power plant <laughs> absolutely uh, you know that's such a good point um the way that renewable energy is prices are having to follow the, the gas price at the moment is absolutely spot on it's a real challenge and actually our energy customers get in touch and say hang on you know you're a renewable energy company you only sell us renewable energy so why is your why are your price is so high mm. when we know that renewable energy is cheaper to produce it is cheaper to produce yeah. so uh, there were some comments from the prime minister actually last week uh, on the radio for today program um actually speaking about this yeah and saying that you know it seemed a bit seemed a bit bonkers yeah. so interesting to hear the prime minister mention it because uh i think a lot of people in the industry have been around a lot longer than me have you know thought this is a, a an interesting and sensible thing to explore so yes very interested to see where that goes uh and and hopeful i think there's a bit of an open question about if you're not paying the price to to gas prices which is obviously like a physical commodity where do you then kind of get that baselining but like great the door's open to have that conversation so that's really exciting and yes to your point peaker plants are what supports this evening peak so everyone uh, and now we're, we're out and about again which is which is wonderful to be able to move around in the world yeah the way uh, the way that we on average in the uk use energy 
is you can follow a sort of graph of the day. Um, people get up, there's a little peak in the morning, then people are often out of the home or, or you know, working. And then uh, when they return in the evening or they, they, they come out of their home offices and go and get ready for, for dinner, then you can see the energy, that, that graph starts to rise and actually lights cooking, you know, kettles, um, all these things start to get switched on. And at, at that time, to meet that quite rapidly increasing demand, we burn gas in peaker plants, to your point. So on our project, we were able to show, and, and the, you know, we, we, we are continuing with it. So vehicle to grid is now part of what we do at yeah. Octopus, which is really exciting, is we send signals to the vehicles that are plugged in at that time, and we get them to export some of their battery energy back into that person's home, and then it goes out of their home. The bit that, that it remains after their home has consumed it, and that's important because their home becomes neutral because yeah. anything that they're using gets met by the vehicle, like by the energy coming from the vehicle. Yeah. And then the energy that goes back onto the grid is actually then helping to support the grid because it's taking away a little bit of that demand by a bit of battery from that, a bit of energy from that battery from that vehicle. So again, thinking at scale, we did some sums and we worked out um, if you have a million cars doing that for an hour, you could, that would be the equivalent of five and a half thousand onshore wind turbines. And I, if you follow uh, the challenge we have around building wind turbines, which we very much yeah. need more wind, let's let's build more wind. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but actually, we you know we we have some challenges there around the process of planning, getting permission to put a wind turbine, even when the local community are very keen for it, and there's a landowner who's very keen to build it, yeah. can still take you know, three years. So yeah. another part of Octopus is pushing to reduce that, and, and you know lobbying to reduce that. So so vehicle to grid. Um, as we start to see the number of cars um, expand that can do vehicle to grid over the next few years is a really exciting way, I think, a really exciting technology that's coming to help reduce the amount of uh, peaker plants that we need, the amount of gas we need to burn at tea time. And and, and it's only because um, I think a lot of people think that um, the, the sort of common objection uh, to, to and, and, and if, even when you were talking, I think the questions were along this, but are the other times a common objection is oh, well I, I need the power in my car to drive and i don't want to give it up um but, but you you sort of explained very well how how that side of it works um because it's not actually a huge amount of power you're taking out of the car is it it's uh or in energy rather so it's it, you're <laughs> not like flattening the battery it's it's like a very small uh bit of uh bit, bit of the system yeah absolutely we uh we think about it the most simple the most simple way of thinking about it is state of charge. So for anyone that hasn't driven an electric vehicle yet, um, please try to, please get out there and uh, you know, try and get in one and, uh, and give it a go. And on the display, you will be shown a percentage. So the percentage that remains in the battery at that time. And what we have done with our system is to make sure that we have a, a, a minimum threshold, 30%. So the battery will never be drained below 30% state of charge. Yeah. Now, what that means is you'll always have enough to go to the shop, um, maybe you know, pop out in the evening, maybe if you did have to go somewhere in an emergency, you've always got some battery remaining. So that's our, our way, I guess, our guarantee that customers yeah. can trust that there'll be some battery. Um, and in terms of the amount, if you think about you've been using your car during the day and when you return home and plug in, uh, you know, most, most people won't have a very high percentage state of charge necessarily mm. so it might be you plug in at 60 percent 
Yeah. And then the signals come and it goes down to 40% or 30%. So no, it's not huge amounts, but it, this is about demonstrating at scale. Yeah. You have thousands of vehicles doing that. It's really valuable to the grid. So yeah. And the, the other part is that, yeah, you're right. People often say, hang on, what? I've just put energy in to drive the car. Why would I want to take it out again? And and the piece of the puzzle there is it's, it's a small amount of the battery when you're, you're actually already parked up at home and probably not planning to go out. And then we top you back up. And that's also super important in this mm. like, shift of mindset is we, uh, we charge the car overnight and the system that we have in place now, Crack and Flex, which is another part of Octopus, um, we can expand on that a bit if we want to, yeah. is actually the, the system which controls the, the scheduling of the charging. Yeah. So this, this system is sending messages to the, uh, the car, to the charger to say, okay, start charging, stop charging and start discharging, stop discharging. Yeah. And it's making decisions on when to get that energy out of the battery and when to put it back in again, yeah. based on grid conditions and, and signals from the grid. And what I mean by that? Well, actually that, that platform, that computer platform is actually also talking to inverted commas, uh, talking to, taking data from the the grid, which is sending information about um, when there is a high load, when energy will be needed on the grid, and also when there is actually a high supply. And so when the grid needs somewhere to store energy. Yeah. So we're building up this picture of an integrated grid and energy system. Our Crack and Flex platform sits in the middle. Yeah looking at what the grid needs, looking at what the local area needs, and, and that will come, and it's developing all the time as the yeah. DNOs are developing pricing signals and you know, demand signals. Those messages will be integrated into Crack and Flex more and more. Yeah. And it makes a decision based on those grid signals what to do with that battery on wheels. Now, as a customer, we have an app, and in the app, you can set how much state of charge you want in the morning. So what percentage you want it to be topped up to mm. and what time you want your car back. And those constraints help Crack and Flex to make a plan on when it will do that discharging and charging. So there's a lot, there's a lot of intelligence then going in yeah. to this. And is that the same system? Because even without vehicle to grid, Octopus yeah. kind of do a lot of, um, I don't know what you call it, you, you sort of flexible pricing where if you charge uh, off-peak times or if you use power mm -hmm. off-peak times, you get very low mm -hmm. or, or even sometimes negative pricing. Um, mm -hmm. So you get paid. To t it's, is that, it's the same engine that drives that sort of thing. So actually not. Interesting. Ah, so okay. we have, yeah, so there's another system <laughs> called, called Kraken. <laughs> I know, there's two. So okay. good, we built two. Um, so Kraken was the original. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, It took me Greg's... quite a long time to work out, by the way, that it wasn't crack on as in come on lads crack <laughs> on it was crack in as in the mythical sea creature <laughs> you're right should have been obvious it... given the name of the company <laughs> <laughs> yeah so the kraken yeah unleash the kraken uh yeah the mythical kind of enormous uh octopus beast yes exactly i think um you know this is definitely one for yeah i, I I like it. I actually think it's both. So when I say Kraken, I often think like crack on. So I really love that. <laughs> I love that you've thought of that too. Um, cool. Yeah. So so Kraken was uh, was envisaged and you know, architected uh, by James Edison, so the, the CTO of Octopus Energy, now Octopus Energy Group. Yeah. And 
and the concept is how do you run an energy company for customers in a really efficient way which lets the the team at octopus do as much as possible for that customer when we're talking to them and interacting with them Mm. and so to give that great customer experience and to be as efficient as possible so kraken um again another platform so computer platform it takes signals and data from different parts of the like customer energy world yeah. to give one view of what's going on with a customer's account and again what i mean by that is it takes information about um usage so it's actually taking you know data in if you've got a smart meter then we're taking your smart meter data to look at how much energy you're consuming in the home. It also has things like billing and it has telephone system. And so it has all the ways that customers might pay their bill and then we can speak to you. We can take your phone call. So it has lots of different pieces which make it super simple for that octopus ops person, operations person to help you and whatever your query is or whatever your your need is, they can help you. And and the tariff, so the, the bit you were mentioning there about, you know, different prices at different times, um, we, we refer to those as tariffs. Mm-hmm. And so the tariff that you're on is how much you pay. And so Kraken ha- is so smart that it can understand the, the different times of day and apply a different charge to different times of day. So the smart meter in your home is, is sending data to a centralized sort of database which then sends it on to us um, it sends it every half an hour mm. so we get a half hourly reading of how much energy you're using right. and then so we have 48 periods in a day so half hours so it's 24 hours times two there's 48 half hourly billing periods so in kraken we can design and build tariffs that charge you different amounts so so the, to your point we have a variety of different tariffs which range from uh, a single cost all through the day and night, which is probably what a lot of people that are listening to this are on right now. Yep. It's pretty traditional standard. Um, and we know that those prices have been going up and up and up. So that's a, a huge challenge in itself. And, and yep. as a company, we have a lot of um, you know, schemes and a lot of actually funds going in to help people who are struggling. So yeah, I would say if people uh, want to have a look on our website, if that's if that's something that they're thinking about, have a look on our website and, and there's, there's help there and there's information there. Um, if you're looking for uh, good tariffs for charging your electric vehicle, then we have these time of use tariffs. So the original was called Octopus Go. It was cheap period overnight, four hours of cheap charging, yeah. which is reflecting what we were mentioning about. You know, sometimes there's quite a lot of energy on the grid, green energy, like the wind still blows at night. <laughs> and so yeah. if there's a lot of wind. There's a lot of energy coming onto the grid. And actually yeah. right now, um, unfortunately, uh, we have to pay a lot of money to uh, to not generate wind in certain places in the country. It's called curtailment. Curtailment, um, billion, yeah. Billions of pounds, actually. It's, it's quite shocking. Um, and that is is because right now we don't have enough storage. So batteries, predominantly. Mm. There are other ways of, you know, other, other storage technologies are available, yeah. but batteries <laughs> are an excellent yeah. use, uh, way to, to store energy. And we also don't have pricing signals that are very localized. So actually, it's it also hopefully for people who are listening, starting to tie together around having batteries that can store energy mm. from renewables so that when the wind isn't blowing and the sun isn't shining, but we want to uh, boil our kettles, the classic British uh, example, we have that energy available. So Go was the first tariff for customers that encouraged them to use energy at night. Yeah. Um, 
we've then evolved that into intelligent octopus which is uh, now available which yeah. is six hours of a cheap period overnight um but we are actually controlling uh, actually electric vehicles and so this is how power loop comes full circle to to our tariffs because we can send signals to vehicles overnight to get them to charge at the times that are going to help the grid the most and and by doing that and having that business model we can then support uh, an even longer period of cheaper energy for customers and this is where crack and flex which which sends those on off signals talks yeah. to the to the grid signals actually then combines with kraken that does the customer tariffs and billing yeah because if the grid sends a signal or, or the market signal says it's uh it's really windy like this evening 10 11 p.m then and the six the, the crack and flex the crack and flex system sends a signal to the electric vehicles that are plugged in and gets them to charge so they're charging outside of that cheap tariff window but Kraken is aware of that and will bill you at the cheap rates, even though you're outside of the cheap time window. Right. Okay. Does that make sense? So yeah, you're yeah. so you're basically using those vehicles as batteries yeah. to help and balance the grid. And as a customer, you get the benefits. So so Powerloop vehicle to grid is now part of that system. Right. And so as vehicle to grid cars become available over the next few months and years, we have that service now ready to do the the exporting piece, the discharge piece in the evening, as well as that charging piece overnight. Yeah. So, um, so wow. that, hopefully that sort of builds up that whole picture. Um, I'll, I'll carry on. It's a very long answer. You probably want to like <laughs> edit this and clip it. But the um, no, it's brilliant. The, this is I mean okay. because it is. It's <laughs> a. It's a really the energy system is one of those things. I think a lot of people just take it for granted, but then this sort of concept of actually there are all these different power plants and different energy sources, wind turbines, mm -hmm. gas plants, uh, nuclear plants, etc. There's all sorts of different things, plus importing, like we've got a high voltage DC connector to Norway up in the northeast, yeah. and, and, and. So there's all of this sort of input into this system, and then we take off dynamically from that. Um, but the power, normal power, like wind turbines even... Mm. You can't turn them on and off particularly no. easily. So storage, it's all about storage, really. In storage. It's storage, storage, yeah. storage into the future. But building grid batteries, grid-connected batteries, is really expensive. And, mm -hmm. you know, that there are projects happening. And a really good yeah. fr friend of mine runs a company, Connected Energy, that repurpose batteries. And, you know... Oh, they're so cool, what they do. Yeah, yeah grid, grid super stuff. cool. But, you know, it's still, it's a long way off. But we do. Mm. We get, we, we've got this increasing fleet and infrastructure in in EVs, and the this sort of concept of because again, I, I, like you don't even have to have local. So I mean, I'd love to. I don't have solar on my house at the minute. I'd love to put some solar on my house. But in this sort of case, it's just simple arbitrage of like this big dynamic inputs that you know we don't really want to turn them off. We use those and spread mm -hmm. the load out. And there's so much there's so much capacity in the system. Um, already you know just by yeah. just by managing what we've got better absolutely um absolutely that is exactly what i mean when i say we need we can do more with what we've got um and it it, it is such a, an exciting concept just thinking about all of these different generation technologies and storage technologies and how we're shifting from this very traditional hub and spoke model 
mm. where you have like a power plant which burns fossil fuels, which then pushes energy out onto the grid. We are completely disrupting that. It's a seismic shift to a completely different like tech set of technologies, distributed storage and generation. And, uh, and we need a whole market like structure to go with that. So yeah. we're not just changing the technologies, we're changing like, physically how we're moving energy around and we're changing how the market dynamics work. So again, bringing it back to what we talked about earlier, how do you decouple the price of, of renewable energy from the price of gas actually then starts to feed into also what I mentioned about more nodal pricing. Mm. So making the signals for where energy is needed versus where there might be too much being generated. At the moment, those signals are super high level yeah. and actually making it more granular, bringing it down, down, down to your town, to your substation, to your street even, and being able to talk to systems like Crack and Flex and send signals dynamically is going to completely revolutionize the way that our energy system works. I can't tell you how it's exciting, it's thrilling, uh, it's a little bit terrifying. Uh, it's going to happen over the next sort of 10 to 20 years of our lives. Mm. Um, and, and vehicle to grid is going to play, in my opinion, a really important part in that. But all electric vehicles, you know, smart charging them, which is this turning them on and off to charge at times, which make them an, a storage capacity yeah. as opposed to just a car is very, very important. And actually yesterday um, was the the day that the smart charging regulations came in for um, domestic chargers, charge points. I don't okay. know if you've come across that or heard about that. So the government has enacted legislation to, um, to make uh, electric vehicle charge point manufacturers um, put in certain controls and behaviors into ah, those charge points. Okay. And so for me, an interesting step it's an interesting way of doing it i'm i think it's quite unusual for a government to enact specific technical requirements yeah. uh, in this way and um, so mandating this must happen it's not an option yeah um and actually you know what what it means is that when you plug your vehicle in to one of these charge points now it won't automatically start charging Do you yeah. think it's, it's a pretty sensible thing to do because if you plug in at five o'clock when you come home that is during that peak period when yep. we already have a high demand. So that makes sense. Yeah. Um, it, it does some other things which are, um, I think, trying to mimic the smart charging I've just talked about, which is when you, through these charge points, you can schedule a time at which your car starts to charge overnight. Yeah. Um, not linked to us to a system like ours just yet. And hopefully people will want to get involved, but just setting a timer because you might have a cheat rate overnight. Now the charge points have have a randomized delay so that they don't all turn on at 12 o'clock or one o'clock or two o'clock in the morning they have a randomized delay okay. and i think this is the thing so i think the thinking here is at scale when there's a million electric vehicles all plugged in if they all turned on at midnight because that's when the cheap rate started that could be a bit of a challenge yeah all coming on at the same time now i think there's a there's a really good news story here which is well one we're talking about it so yeah. that's exciting but the second thing is smart charging and flexibility tariffs are here now with us at octopus yeah you know this intelligent octopus actually it turns your car to charge when something in the grid has asked it to do that so actually randomized delay sounds a bit like big brother control and it's giving yeah. up control actually 
it's kind of a crude way of doing the same thing like yeah. the same thing so I, I think it's an interim step i think that these these regulations will be useful for a few years but actually yeah. we're moving to this world where you have flexibility uh, on the grid and you have you give up the scheduling you trust your provider and again we're an energy supplier doing that there are other players now coming into the market um, trying to offer that as a service yeah and actually you'll just get your car back charged in the morning and you, it wasn't won't matter to you. What, what's the um, I, I actually as a sort of an early adopter uh, of EVs, my charge point is ancient um, mm -hmm. white and green plastic box that many people will mm -hmm. be familiar with. Uh, that I Indeed, have, I have had to repair uh, <laughs> for the uh, the known problem with. Uh, but um, I'd I'd love to know. Um, because actually one of the EVs we've got, we we can't time the, the charging at all on um, more than we can. But how, do, I'd, I'd, as, how does your smart charging tariff talk to my car today? Or would I have to upgrade the box or something or the car? Maybe the, ooh, this could be an excuse to buy a new car. Is it, uh, do I have to upgrade the car? <laughs> it's escalating, Ryan, <laughs> this is escalating. You're like, and so I had to buy a new car. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, well, so look, how do we talk, how do we send signals to the car or to the charger? So yeah. um, electric vehicles uh, work in, in a connected way. And so each electric vehicle has a set of signals it can send to the outside world. So again, anyone who's got an electric vehicle, you may already have downloaded an app onto your phone or your tablet from your manufacturer, which can give you information about your car and it can let you set certain schedules and timings on your car mm -hmm. so that infrastructure that digital infrastructure exists for each make and model of electric vehicle so that's the kind of foundation to this okay. so what we're doing is in crack and flex we're building connections to each of those makes and models using that messaging system that exists already so for anyone who's into tech or into coding it's an api between the vehicle and our crack and flex system. And that means that's a way of passing messages and commands and information between the car and the system. Okay. So we're basically building out as fast as we can, the different makes and models that we can talk to. So we started right. with Tesla yeah. and we added uh, brands like Jaguar Land Rover. Yeah. We're working with a uh, lot of other manufacturers now and, and also providers of APIs as well. So we were bringing on all the time, different makes and models. So, Keep an eye on our website. Have a look for Intelligent Octopus because we're posting frequently the cars that we are adding. Yeah, yeah. And then on the charger side, to your point about having an ancient charger, you know, um, because we're going via the car, I think that for those people who do have a charger, which works absolutely fine as a charger, but can't necessarily communicate with the outside world, yeah. we'll be bringing that whole range of EVs. In terms of other chargers that can do it, we're actually just announcing that omi uh, one of the charger manufacturers in the uk yeah. their their wall mounted charger now is fully integrated with intelligent octopus which means we can send signals directly to that charge point and that and that can send you know, like information back to us as well okay because that, that's kind of cool to be able to turn the charge point on and off but then there's like not all charge points could do that although most yeah not most so a lot of new ones are much smarter and you can all sorts of clever things with integration with renewable systems and kind of exactly. boiler mm. controls and stuff as well. But um, so you, you've got that 
coming with the new one. And obviously the vehicle to grid though is a completely different that's that is special hardware to do that. It's it's a very special box of tricks you need on your wall to to yeah. facilitate that. Interesting. Yeah, interesting interesting times in vehicle to grid technologies. You're right. So with vehicle to grid went out the way that we do it, the way that we did it on the Powerloop project. Mm. We worked with another um wallbox manufacturer called wallbox so another ev charger manufacturer called wallbox mm. and when we started working with them so one of my early jobs when i started getting involved in 2019 was looking for um, providers of this special chargers this bi-directional charge and in fact a colleague uh, who was actually the author of the bid for power loop and uh, and was working with me at the time um charlie cook who some people might now know has gone on to found a company called Right Charge, um, which helps people find good tariffs for their EVs and good charge points for their EVs. So Charlie uh, came across Wallbox, uh, a Spanish startup company. And so we've had a journey with them all the way through this project of them going from being a small group of people trying to develop uh, different products for home and, and on the street charging. Yeah. Uh, some of the listeners might know they're now a massive like global presence in charging. Oh wow! Okay. Um, so that and it's been and that's been quite interesting as well. Again, as an engineer, over my career, I've spent a lot of time in terms of hardware development and product development, where you have to go through certain certification and testing. So, kind of went through that with them around you know getting the product tested yeah. and uh, you know test houses like TUV, for example, like certification test houses to get electrical and electronic equipment certified so it's really interesting looking back every part of power loop project was about developing something new or bringing a new part of the system which in itself again engineers you know you want to try and build on something that's stable and actually everything we were building was was built on something else that wasn't quite (laughs) finished or ready or new so yeah so so they developed this um special charger the technology that enables vehicle to grid at the moment in terms of practically getting the battery to give up the, the charge and let it go back through the charger into someone's home and onto the grid um, is powered by something called Chadmo. So yeah. Chadmo is uh, the original vehicle to grid like standard. It's a combination of a special gun connector that actually connects the charger to the vehicle yeah. and uh, a software protocol which allows messages to be communicated. So we needed a charger that could do Chadmo. Yeah. And we needed a charger that could do the inversion. So changing the alternating current that comes from the grid into direct current, which can be accepted by the battery. Yeah. So people, I, would... I think that's sort of an important point. A lot of people wouldn't realize that the battery in the car is DC. The, yes. the grid is AC. Normally, yeah. when you plug into a charge point at home, you're connecting actually to the AC and the car has an onboard charger on it obc which converts ac into dc in the car but that's not bi-directional typically it can only only work in one direction when you plug into a rapid charger in a motorway services or whatever you're actually connecting directly to the battery dc so the big big mm-hmm. sort of telephone box of tricks yeah. in the in the, there is converting the grid ac into dc and then that's going down and the two big fat pins at the bottom are the dc direct connection pins to the battery mm-hmm. But the, the sort of issue with vehicle to grid being that, you, that we've got to do that AC to DC conversion somewhere <laughs> and, yeah. and it's quite high, quite complicated and, and a lot of power, you know, to, to do that. And, and you're doing that off the vehicle. So it's very different to a normal 
uh, that the normal kind of home charge point is basically like a, a, a socket with a fancy bit of electronics control to make yeah. sure it doesn't turn on when it's not mm -hmm. meant to, but it's pretty dumb other than that. Whereas this is like a, a very sophisticated bit of kit. Yeah, it's a very nice, like, yeah, power electronics is, uh, <laughs> it's a really nice bit of power electronics. So the way that the Wallbox Quasar does it is uses a silicon carbide uh, chip, which, yeah. um, which, which does generate quite a lot of heat. And so actually, if you ever see one of these charges, it's got mostly heat sink. So it has this lovely, um, yeah, like heat exchanger, you know, yeah. Well, heat exchanger, heat, you know, <laughs> yeah. heat sink, heat sink uh, with fins, uh, and then in the middle is a little square box, and inside is a PCB, and inside there is a silicon carbide chip. And actually, yeah. it's super clever, as you say, transferring that AC to DC. Um, and the reason it does it off board the car is that's the way that the Chadamo system has been conceived. Yeah. And. Uh, and so you're absolutely right. The, the next generation of, of vehicle to grid will, like the technologies in the car, will not be Chadamo. It will yeah. use the CCS connector. So you alluded to it, I think, there when you mentioned the two pins, <laughs> the DC pins. This is great. This is exactly how I describe it. So for those people who, um, who like, haven't got an EV yet or maybe have got an EV but are used to using um, a simple um, connector at home, that's a Type 2 connector. Mm. So Type 2 has become... Like I guess the, the standard, yeah, standard, yeah. Um, the Type Two connector with, with you can't see me. I'm doing. I'm I'm using my hands. A classic, you know, like <laughs> yeah. engineer describing hands my hands. I like, yeah. wave my hands around <laughs> frantically. So the so Type Two connector at the top, and then two um, large pins at the bottom. The DC pins together, uh, they become a CCS combined charging standard. And so the CCS connector is what will enable vehicle to grid in the future with uh, another software protocol, software standard, which is ISO 15118. So uh, that sounds very geeky and technical, and it kind of is. It's been a long time coming, and that software standard is actually enabling car manufacturers, charger manufacturers, uh, energy suppliers, uh, grid operators, others, to have a common language so that cars and chargers and and how it works will be interoperable yeah which means that everything will talk the same language everything will have the same charger the same physical gun yeah and that means that we can start to have get a lot more value yeah. from being able to speak to and see how much energy is in that battery on wheels and where is it and how can we access it so that's the vision of the future this digitally enabled ecosystem that's that's going to come in the next few years that actually that, that in itself is a was a problem or is a problem that the the early evs uh from the japanese oems all followed this chadamo standard mm -hmm. but then actually that wasn't adopted by the other car manufacturers elsewhere yeah. in the world tesla had their own plugs and standards yep. to start with yep. germans all did their own thing the japanese were different and um today i mean even the, the renault it's different to nissan even though they're in effect the same company um and, and renault is actually different sort of to pretty much everyone else because they've got the chameleon chargers so they can do much higher power ac charging for, you know on on the on certain model years of cars so so one of the problems that we've had in the ev world is this sort of um spread of different standards and technologies for connecting power connecting to the car and doing charging and stuff like that um it's, it's 
it's going to make life a lot easier in the future for doing um, vehicle to grid or, or or just simple smart charging if ev everything's on a common standard, which is now, that's, uh, is it the law now? Or do they still, I don't actually know if, if do Nissan still sell cars with Chadmo or are they all? Uh, they do. They do. Okay. So they're, they're not yeah, quite all. They do. So it's a really fascinating one. And that was, a, I mean, that's a brilliant like potted history of what's been happening over the last few years. Um, I think, for other for people listening it maybe it's making you think about um mobile phone chargers yeah like really kind of similar like it's been this proliferation for 15 20 years of different charging standards and different and then certain brands bringing out a completely new standards so now none of your charges work and yeah. actually you know europe saying okay usbc that's what we're doing yeah so do that um kind of similar Definitely now we're settling on type two uh, in UK, Europe, a lot of the world. America, they have type one. So they have a slight variation, but it's similar. Yeah. But both with that two DC pins underneath, which will turn it into what we call the CCS connector. Actually, a bit on Chadamo. Um, I don't know if you'll indulge me. I'll tell you a bit yeah, about yeah. where Chadamo came from. So, so you mentioned that Chadamo, um, Japanese manufacturers, use mm. Chadamo and bring Chadamo. And actually, you're right, the Nissan Leaf is the only vehicle in the UK now you can buy that has a Chadamo uh, connector. Right. Okay. Actually, it was a technology that was coming out of Japan when uh, there was an earthquake off the coast of Japan, which caused a Fukushima nuclear reactor disaster. Okay. And when that happened, um, it, it caused, well, it required the power to be turned down from a many of the nuclear reactors in Japan. And Japan is very reliant on nuclear. It's like a main mm. source of energy. That led to lots of blackouts and brownouts across the country, which obviously very challenging. I mean, for any, for any country, it's very challenging. Japan, very technologically advanced. Um, it was a real challenge for the government to manage that with the, their, their sort of civil society to explain why the power was so like, challenging at that time. And they put a lot of investment into technologies which would enable the grid to be more resilient all the way down to a house by house level. Oh. And actually, Chadamo enabled your vehicle to become your home backup power source. Oh. So, so that was the, kind of the origins of why it was sort of invested in and pushed so much. And actually, in Japan, they have a, a much more mature concept of something called home islanding. So home islanding speaks ex directly to this potential need to power your house when the whole grid is having a huge challenge and you can actually disconnect your home from the grid in Japan and power that from your vehicle until such time as the grid is more stable and you can bring your home back onto the grid now that requires uh, you, you know you mentioned bi-directional chargers being a special bit of kit to take your home off the grid and then put it back on again yeah. is, a, is a, another challenge and an even bigger challenge really because you have to make sure your home is like harmonized with the grid when you go back on it's yeah. possible and some people listening might have a tesla powerball with a device which enables you to island your home in yeah. the uk but it's very niche in the uk because we're very lucky we don't have earthquakes we don't have natural <laughs> disasters yeah. in that way and our grid is incredibly stable and uh, blackouts are, are really really rare um, even though occasionally a line might go down and then you're out of power for a few hours it's very rare to be without power for anything longer than that and yeah and anything frequently yeah so actually the, the case for home islanding doesn't exist in the uk um, although there are early adopters and um, people out there who 
like the idea of it. And yeah. what I say to them when they ask me, brilliant, vehicle to grid, I can, I can island my home, I can go completely off grid and I can disconnect myself. And I say, well, yes, we, there are devices that you could have made that you could do that with. Yeah. Actually, what, what it enables you to do is actually make your house grid neutral. When you are exporting energy from your car, it goes through your home and goes back out of your smart meter and onto the grid. And in that way, you are actually not taking any energy from the grid at all. So yeah. there you go. Bit of origin story about Chadmo. Well, the, the islanding thing is is quite interesting in that because, you, you know, you're absolutely right. We, the, the grid is, is we're lucky in, in a way. But then um, for the only time we need to do that, and, and it is a sort of a thing with um, where you've got renewables on your house, but it's sort of the opposite reason that if, someone had to do some maintenance locally on the grid and they took it down that then your house wasn't putting power back on that's <laughs> kind of bypassed mm -hmm. where they thought so this uh is it g50 something or other i can't quite remember but it's like auto islanding standards um so people might have heard the term before like of islanding but it in in the uk it tended to be more important for the opposite reason um but but, but it's You're a big thing right. globally it, yeah and, and actually in the uk um in terms of putting energy back on the grid. So anyone who's installed uh, solar panels above 3.68 kilowatt for a home battery, um, you have applied for, or your installer has applied for something called G99. So in the UK, one of the reasons our grid is so stable and reliable is that we have a really good visibility and we have a good control over what is allowed onto the grid. And that those G levels, so G99, uh, and actually you might've heard of G98, these are the levels of permission and notification that you need from your distributed network operator, your DNO. Again, they're the ones who, like the cable that comes into your home and connects up into your smart meter, that supply cable. That's the DNOs look after that cable yeah. and that supply. And so actually anything below 3.68 kilowatt in size, you, you don't have to let them know that you're going to export that until after you fitted it. So a lot of, a lot of domestic solar is, is below that level for good reason, because yeah. it's a much simpler process. Yeah. With vehicle to grid, where the car is able to do, uh, the Nissan Leaf can do 6.6 .6 kilowatt, uh, so, but a nominal seven is what we talk about. Yeah. Um, and actually, that's high enough that you need this higher permission G99. And that means you have to actually follow a particular process of giving information, data, um, you know, and getting permission to put that energy back on the grid. And that's a whole other part of the project that we spent a lot of time exploring, working with UKPN to understand that process was so difficult when we started the project, because actually most people aren't putting, or weren't at that time putting big solar arrays on their roofs and putting big batteries in. And so that, that permission was mostly used for quite large scale things like a large scale solar farm yeah. or, uh, or actually, you know, actually power stations. <laughs> so yeah. we've worked with them and they've developed something called smart connect, which is a really simple streamlined way of asking for permission to put these devices on the grid. They've actually called out vehicle to grid as an asset class on its own. So it's separate from a solar panel, different to a battery. And they are also digitizing their own process and they're taking information from their systems to try and make the process smoother and easier and mm. i really want to you know praise what they've done and great working with them on the project because that is an exemplar which is being shared with all the other dnos as a way of best practice yeah. and actually we're now working with them around heat pumps so we're trying to improve the way that the heat pump uh, permissions are done through smart connect again as an exemplar to the rest of the industry to make it easier and simpler 
because actually doing this at scale means that hundreds and hundreds of people maybe as individuals maybe through installers will be requesting permission to connect different devices to the grid and again back to that idea about not a hub and spoke anymore massively distributed energy system hopefully thousands and millions of people like uh, it's quite an exciting i guess and and it's probably a good time to just sort of because i'm just noticed we're we're running over and and i've got to let you get back to your day job um but the um the the results of of um your trial for vehicle to grid were, were really interesting and you actually achieved an awful lot in in that project so like i guess a first sort of question is a could you just sort of summarize that and then the the next sort of follow-on immediately is what do you think the future looks like like when do we see vehicle to grid being widely deployed um you know in, and beyond trials so so how did yours go and and uh, what happens next well how did it go it was hugely challenging it it just proved all the things that i mentioned earlier you know you're, you're, you're building new technology to build a new service with customers who've never experienced this before so it, it was very successful in terms of the amount we learned the amount we improved the amount we changed mm. in terms of the results uh, we found that customers were really engaged with vehicle to grid and actually they understood the reasons why they were doing it to help the grid, but we also rewarded them through their tariff. So we gave them a tariff which would be really cheap for them to bring energy in and would reward them and pay them into their energy bill when they exported energy out. And we automated the whole thing. So we found that they really liked that. They were very engaged, even though, honestly, there were some pretty bumpy times for those individuals, things that we did accidentally when you're doing an innovation trial. We were They were living and breathing it with us. So we're That's very great. grateful to them for sticking with us. Um, and in terms of... Uh, you know the, the way that the system has worked and the way that the uh, the automated scheduling and you know, working with crack and flex now uh, we work with partners on the different partners on the project and now we're doing it crack and flex we've proved that you can send those signals reliably to make a difference to the the grid at that scale so that was a huge huge learning for us and a huge um, kind of win for the project i think the the final thing is uh, the thing I always get asked that you haven't asked me, so I'm gonna I'm gonna chuck it in myself. Go guess, battery yeah. degradation. Ah, battery okay, degradation. Yeah, sorry. Isn't it gonna ruin the battery? No, don't be sorry at all. Um, <laughs> like, like, isn't it gonna ruin the battery? Yeah. And you know, we, we knew conceptually that when you do vehicle to grid and you export energy out of the battery, we do it in a really controlled way, in a very smooth, sort of smooth way, very uh, considered over many hours. Yeah. And actually, the car is stationary not having to drive around and get hot that battery is in a really like kind of good condition and in our minds we were contrasting that with how a car is driven and how that battery is having to provide energy in a in a really kind of spiky way often in town particularly stop start the lights the roundabouts you're getting faster you're stopping um, then motorways it's, you know driving along way getting hot yeah so actually for the battery sitting on your drive is a much nicer life <laughs> during yeah. vehicle to grid than actually being driven around so we knew that kind of conceptually and actually, anecdotally from our project, we, we're not uh, a scientific study at a university. And those are being done now. And there are some really interesting studies, um, you know, being done right now into battery degradation with vehicle to grid. But yeah. Anecdotally, out of, our, of our, out of our project, we found that actually these batteries are in incredibly good condition when we, when we uh, you know, assess them. And uh, as an example, I had a leaf at my house. So I had the system at my house as well. So I've done been doing all the hands-on the testing. Yeah. I do. I wouldn't want to do something to a customer I wouldn't want to do to myself. And um, so I've also Brilliant. been the one who's woken up to the car 
not quite charged how I wanted it to be because we've done something, we're learning and innovating. So yeah, I've lived that dream. Uh, and it has been a dream, actually. It's amazing. My children are, absolutely adore it. They, they get really excited when the purple light comes on. That means that the car's powering the house. Anyway, so, um, so I had that car assessed uh, after about 18 months. And the battery is in, uh, actually, according to the Nissan assessment at the, at the dealership, uh, it's in kind of perfect condition. So it's got 12 yeah. bars on a Nissan Leaf. So any Leaf drivers will know 12 bars is the holy grail. Yeah. That's where you want it to be. So so we're really excited by that because it's showing that what we're doing under Vehicle to Grid is, is, is fine for the battery. Yeah. Nissan also guaranteed their warranty and, and we lease our cars to customers. So there's no risk on the customer, but that also gives me confidence. And actually that brings me on to the second part of your question to answer what's going to happen in the future. So to take the battery degradation question mark forward, you know, spoiler alert, no, doesn't doesn't degrade the battery in a, in a concerning way. Many, many vehicle manufacturers are starting to talk about the vehicle to grid systems that they are releasing soon. Right. Their warranties will cover this behavior. And those cars are the likes of the Ionic 5, Kia EV6, the Genesis series, yeah. um, family of cars, Honda E. We know we've already done some trials around vehicle to grid. Um, we know that others are coming. Uh, VW, so so VW announced a couple of months ago that they are going to be doing vehicle to grid. They're going to push a software update apparently towards the end of the year. So keep your eyes peeled if you've got an ID3 and ID4. So it's coming. It's coming really soon. And as a company, we're really excited that we've built a working uh, V2G service, which yeah. customers will be able to access. And we will uh, be working really hard. And we do talk to the vehicle manufacturers and to the charger manufacturers to see how this CCS enabled technology is going to develop and evolve so that we can make sure that those are also part of our ecosystem. So we can bring vehicle to grid as part of intelligent octopus and just keep on expanding what intelligent octopus can do. And I should also say it will intelligent octopus will expand to heat pumps and to solar and battery systems as well. So that whatever energy generating and storing devices you have, will be able to offer you a tariff and a service, which brings that all together. Okay, cool. Um, uh, one, one sort of, uh, I guess, a final question on the the vehicle to grid becoming more kind of widely deployed. Do, do you, uh, you're you're far closer to this. Do you see the manufacturers bringing it on vehicle, or do you think you're always going to need that more sophisticated uh, wall box uh, converter? Um, do, yeah, what what do you see happening there? Is it going to be hardware, wall hardware, or car hardware? Ryan. You've saved the killer question for last. Uh, yes, no, maybe both. So at the moment, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> at the moment, I know of manufacturers who are leaning towards onboard inverter, mm -hmm. yeah. which would mean an AC bi-directional charger. So actually upgrading the power electronics in, in the design yeah. of an AC charger, yeah. which would make it probably cheaper and simpler for customers to get a, a new charger because yeah. the, the inversion will happen on the battery itself in the vehicle. Yeah. And I know of other brands and makes that are going towards the offboard inverter, which means you'll need a more complicated bi-directional charger on the wall at home. Yeah. The they are at the moment not available for Chadamo like at retail. So you can't buy a wallbox quasar. And there's a, there's another one at Indra um V2G charger, Chadamo charger. You can't buy those at the yeah. moment because they're so uh, I guess it's so niche yeah, um, specialist, yeah. and they're very expensive because they've had to invest in building them and designing them. My hope is that because these V2G systems will become uh, 
much more widespread, many more brands, actually the manufacturers will be able to make those bi-directional inverter style chargers more cheaply because there'll be a high demand for them and they will be um, able to sell them at a higher volume. So I'm afraid uh, we are, we've gone from one, you know, VHS Betamax battle between, uh, you know, Chadamo and CCS. It's like CCS is winning for most of the world. We're about to go, I think, into another phase of seeing whether the V2G technology will go onboard or offboard inverter. So absolute killer question. And I'm watching it super closely in my role as a sort of director of tech and innovation. Um, and I will do as much as I can to keep my ear to the ground so that we are there for customers to have the solutions um, when these systems come to market. Brilliant. Well, and on that, that's probably a good point to bring the, the podcast to a close. So thanks so much for, for agreeing to do this. It's been absolutely fascinating. Um, I, I really enjoyed the the uh, the talk that you did at the uh, the PDIM conference a, a few weeks ago. So um, you know, and, and and hopefully we've captured some of that in the podcast. And uh, you know, this whole the whole sort of topic of energy costs and managing demand is so topical at the moment, um, and and I don't see that going away anytime soon. So it's uh, really exciting to see you guys. We're well ahead of the curve on this, and um, hopefully that'll that'll start to to bring uh, you know things into the market in the in the not too distant so really really good really really good thank you